0: I'm Tobias Carroll. I wrote *Real* and a collection called *Transitory*.
1: And I'm Joe DePrisco, and uh, my new book is a memoir titled uh, *The Pope of Brooklyn*. And uh, so, we're to- Toby. Uh, this is great to meet you. Um, great to meet um, you on on as well. I'm here. And uh, how's it going today in Brooklyn?
0: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I have to say, how, how is it out in California? You're in California right now?
1: Right. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's now the rainforest. I mean, we were having such a gorgeous drought for so many years, and now yeah. we're living in a monsoon. It's incredible how oh, much wow. rain we're getting, and flooding's wow. everywhere, dams are breaking. It's incredible what's going on there. But not Actually, to complain. You know?
0: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw the thing the the other week about the, the dam in Northern California that sort of, been having all of the uh where there have been evacuations which like i had no idea that was a thing and yeah that seems pretty terrifying
1: right and it's uh yeah. you know it's a hot political subject given uh the nature or unnature of our political world that we live in um infrastructure yeah. being what it is and uh let's try to get through this interview without talking about <laughs> you know what in, yeah Although I can talk about him forever, but I don't need to, I suppose. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I, so here we are I, on different coasts. You're looking at a different yeah. ocean from me, and yeah. uh, i in many respects. You know, you got the you know you got Brooklyn. I got uh, Berkeley, and we've got yeah. uh, uh, you know different uh, you know different generations we're talking about. I'm, the memoir that I wrote is nonfiction and uh, yeah. real is a yeah. wonderful piece of fiction now, I've written novels I've written books of poetry and um, nice. but you know it's a different kind of we're talking um it' would be interesting to see what we're going to come up with today as yeah. points of intersection
0: i mean one one thing that was I was reading was reading the Pope of Brooklyn earlier this week, and I was uh, doing so at a at a spot overlooking greenpoint avenue and and <laughs> I was reading sections of it where it talked about the intersection of Greenpoint and North henry and i'm like oh i'm like about six blocks from there, right now. This is very <laughs> strange, uh, but in a very good way.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that was. a yeah. uh, I mean, I'm reporting from a different world. Um, 50s and 60s. I begin there, and then I move around a lot into contemporary California. Yeah. But I'm. I was. My my family was part of the diaspora from Brooklyn to California, and um, nice. I understand it's going the other direction these days sometimes.
0: Yeah, although I do feel like I know some New York folks who have definitely, like, slowly made their – I know a fair amount of folks who have kind of gone from from kind of doing the same things, doing the kind of Brooklyn or sort of New York area to, to L.A. sort of still seems to be a pretty a pretty steady pipeline of people I know. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting. Here in California, people in L.A. and people in San Francisco are, you know, it's in a lot of ways it's a different state. Southern California. Yeah. I mean, maybe in some ways, uh, upstate New York is different from New York City. And New yeah. York City is different from Brooklyn. And yeah. Greenpoint is definitely different from everything. Now it's the hottest piece of uh, real estate in the, in the country, right? Greenpoint.
0: It's still, yeah. I mean, I've been here since 99, and it's definitely weird because it's like, it's where I moved. It's kind of like, oh, this seems like a nice neighborhood. You know, I can afford an apartment here. And yeah. And to no, kind you of see can't. What it. I <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now Lena, now yeah. Lena Dunham's in charge of the whole joint, uh, yeah. and the Barclays Center. It's a it's it's astonishing. So, so anyway, so I'm yeah. I'm very impressed. I mean, you're you're a guy who's read everything. You've written about everything. You're uh, incredibly connected and uh, knowledgeable, and you write mm. beautifully about a whole bunch of Thank things. You. And uh, I'm interested to know what uh, you know how it works for you with the the Brooklyn. Um, uh, one volume, one uh, Brooklyn kind of experience that you have with your with your zine. There, how's that? How's that I work mean, for you as a writer?
0: I I think you know it's it's definitely it's I I mean my friend Jason Diamond was a, is the founder of that, and I think he and I both kind of came from a you know punk rock going to shows putting out zines background. So I think. What what attracted both of us to this is the fact that it's kind of like, you know, we had a place and, and have a place where we can kind of do things where we can write about the things we want to write about. It isn't necessarily an, okay, this book came out, you know, if I want to write about a book that came out six months ago, there isn't the like, oh, well, I can't really pitch this anywhere because it's not a, a brand new book or, or whatever else. It's just kind of we can do whatever, you know, we can do things we want to do, which is which is, I think, which has been, you know, I think very, a very good thing to have for for I for me as a writer, and I think, you know, also, you know, it lets us do, you know, we've done a ton of events in New York, we we've gotten to work with a lot of writers we really like and respect, and you know and, and publish work by writers we really like and respect. So, you know, we've been publishing fiction on the site now for close to seven years, which has been which has been pretty great, and I always feel <clears throat> incredibly happy when, um, you know, I see a book that's come out that has something in it that we that we published. Uh, there were a couple of books that came out last year, an essay collection by a writer named Donald Quist, and a short story collection by a writer named Kate Heacock, who's based in the Pacific Northwest. Both of them had really terrific books that came out last year, and both of them had, there were pieces in both that we had originally published in Volume 1. So I felt very, very happy to kind of help get other people's work into the world, if that makes sense.
1: You know, it makes it's fascinating. You you have captured uh, the spirit of a, a zeitgeist. I mean, I was watching, listening to some comedian the other night saying, "Well, whenever an older person uses the word millennial, he means he hates younger people." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> that's okay. I, I get that. It's not a term in my working vocabulary. Millennial, uh, but yeah. So what? So and and it doesn't appear unless I'm wrong. It doesn't appear in real that term yeah no uh, so I mean what do I, you have if, if you had to uh, encapsulate what you think is going on in your generation and how it differentiates from previous generations of, of authors what what do you how would you characterize that I don't, if you don't do mind
0: you know, my I'm answer. not yeah I'm 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 not 100% sure if I could if I could really point to one thing that that I would say is you know I think the one thing that maybe I would point to is I think you know I I turned forty last October. So Mazel and I think for me thank you. But I think I think the one the one big change I would say is is the fact that I think, you know, since you know I think some of the oldest online journals go back to the late nineties, early two thousands, and I think having the fact that you know, online spaces allowed writers to do a lot more in terms of getting work published, in terms of starting their own journals, in terms of, uh, you know, experimenting with form a little bit more. I think that's maybe been the one change is just like there has been, you know, that, that there have been additional places for people to get published. There are, you know, I think ways for more experimental forms maybe to, uh, to, to be published and and kind of you know it, it's let I think more writers find their voice and you know kind of do what they want. I think on the flip side, I think the one maybe slight downside to to the an increase in online journals. And I mean, almost all of the work that I've had published uh, in terms of short fiction has generally been with journals that are that are primarily online. And I think if there is one downside, perhaps it's the fact that. If you are a short fiction writer who does work over, a, you know, work that's like between six and 15,000 words, that can be harder to find a home for online than perhaps mm-hmm. a, in a print journal, mm-hmm. which I think is the one flip side. And I talk occasionally to, to other writers who have run into a little bit of a problem of, yeah, they're writing short stories, but they're longer short stories where it may not be as well suited to something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but I think, yeah. But beyond what, that, I mean, I about, think, you know, there. are
1: yeah. I interrupted you, sorry. Oh, no. Uh,
0: I was just going to say, I mean... But, yeah, I think... I would say... Because I think, you know, with every generation, there are going to be people writing sort of more traditional narrative fiction and there are going to be people experimenting. And I think, you know, that's... And and I think, yeah, I don't really think that there is a, that much of a, you know... I don't know if there's a huge amount of difference. You know, there are always going to be people doing fairly traditional work and I think always people are going to be kind of pushing at the edges of, of what you know forms are capable of so but I would, but, I would say online is perhaps the, the bigger the bigger thing there so,
1: so you wouldn't generalize that there's a, a, an emerging aesthetic that's different from previous generations I mean for instance I mean you have uh, you know the, the the hip Brooklyn kind of thing and I, I think it's against the law to use the word hip and Brooklyn in the same sentence anymore but I mean, there's a kind of hipsterish. Uh, I mean, people think there's a hipsterish uh, uh, mystique about what's going on yeah. in your generation. And I mean, it's very different, say, from the the whole you know, terrible ironies of the McSweeney's generation. That's a different generation. Yeah, everything's yeah. an inside joke, and you're either you're either the object of the joke or the target of the joke. And, so that's different. So you're not doing that. And then I look at the cover of your book. Uh, And it looks like I didn't know anything. I'd, which I dubious, I might not know anything. But it looks like you know this is like science fiction. (laughs) It's a fascinating cover. So is this a report to uh, (laughs) to from another planet? Oh, this is what's going on here. These are people who are connected by their disconnection, and their you know their their desires are about cultivating desires and you know the mosh pit is the prevailing kind of uh mean, it's a fascinating uh series of scenes around the mosh pit i won't give away yeah. any plot spoilers but i mean that's how people connect uh the closest they get to connecting knowingly yeah. is when they're slamming each other in the mosh pit and so your generation created that problem
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: Don't blame the mm-hmm. 60s for that <laughs> or the 70s and, you know, none of the, you know, Barry Gibbs kind of stuff. We're not doing, not doing Saturday Night Fever anymore. That's a very different world we're in. <laughs> yeah. And we're not in, guess- uh, you know, Goodfellas' world anymore either. Uh, yeah. well, my book get, yeah. takes us there to some degree in different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you're not. Dr- I, I mean, cr- yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Go on. Oh no, I I had one question um, in terms of actually that I wanted to, that I wanted to get you some something that struck me as I was reading your book, but um, I also didn't want to interrupt.
1: Uh, but,
0: um The thing the thing that I was I was curious about is like you have this sort of almost the way that you have the book structured where you have your own first person accounts of different events. You have excerpts from sort of the sort of found uh, documents related to, to your father's life, um, you know, sort of punctuating that. I mean, how did you kind of come, how did you come up with the structure of, of everything in, in, the, in the book?
1: Well, to, to set it up, um, so I, my first memoir uh, the sub, was titled Subway to California, and that was uh, a, a memoir about, uh, well, me, and about uh, uh, crime in my family and about uh, uh, escape and flight and about uh, drug addiction and and incarceration and uh, uh, teaching Uh, my graduate student career was about a various kind Mm -hmm. of life that i led over um, and, and, and i said this before but you know when i was writing Subway to California, I felt like I was doing therapy on myself. Uh, I wanted to send myself a bill at the end of every day. Uh, mm. So that was about a, a few months after Subway came out. I was doing a search online, probably about me, uh, and I stumbled across these uh, trial transcripts from New York State Appellate Division um, uh, Repository. They were there, they were on Google, and it was Joe DePrisco. I said, well, that's not me, because these go back to 1958, 1961. And these turned out to be transcripts of, of trials involving corrupt cops in New York City and Brooklyn. Um, uh, and my father was the star witness in these uh, trials. So, the, so that... That gave me, you know, a root. Uh, gave me the ability to root the story in uh, in the reality of the story of my trying to understand my relationship with my father, and a mysterious fellow, and um, yeah. and a relationship of myself to myself. So, and the stories that uh, of his criminal life sort of uh, connected to my uh, forays into criminality. Or you know, my father was a inveterate gam- compulsive gambler. I played cards for a living around the world for years um, when I was working on my dissertation at Berkeley. But I was uh, so I, I I I had my foot in in in, in both uh, worlds, and uh, so that that was so when I when I came across these trial transcripts, it just gave me all these facts. Which yeah. I never had before, my father was a great dissembler. Uh, that's to say, he, he probably never would tell the truth if he, unless his life depended on it. And even then, it wasn't too clear. So I never got, so I would ask him questions as a kid, and and you know about this and that. What are you doing? Where are you going? He would always say to me, "What are you writing a book?" And I, okay. <laughs> uh, turns out I was writing a book. So he's he's Brooklyn pure and uh, true uh, all the way through. Uh, you know, don't say something that uh, you don't need to say. And, uh, but then all these facts came out. So that was able to see, well, what is the connection between his life, his dramas, his flight, how the hell he got to California? Well, he got to California cause he was in flight. The FBI was after him and he took yes. off and we came to Now, did I know any of this when I'm 10 years old? No, I didn't know anything. So I found this out. Now, how does this shed light on, on me? Well, that's what the book purports to show. And I, yeah. Yeah. So that's how the structure occurred to me, and it was, um, it was, um, um, as they say, it, it's uh, memoir is, is you know, you're telling the truth. Um, the funny thing, of course, yeah. is that as you as you know, as a novelist, and my own experience as a novelist tells me, you also tell the truth through lying yeah and and this is where memoir gets a little bit interesting because as you shape a narrative it's it's very different from shaping the narrative of fiction it just is in fact i think it's kind of more closely related to a poem a memoir
0: yeah
1: and i and i don't know if i could even explain that anyway i'm going on too long i don't know did i I get at your question
0: oh yeah i mean There's a there was a short essay I wrote for a thing a friend was putting together I I guess about a year and a half two years ago now and I don't do as much in the way of sort of writing I guess you know sort of more personal essays Um, and so it's it's a form that I'm still finding my way into but I remember I had to write this fairly short piece and it took me finding the way into it I think I had to sort of begin it as memoir eventually like turned that into a short story and then once I had written a fictionalized version of it I realized how to write that as memoir in a way that seemed to kind of get at the sort of core of the experience that I wanted to get to but it was it was a very it was a very strange working process for me and it was something that it I've I have not worked on anything else where there was that kind of going from going from sort of ostensibly nonfiction to fiction back to nonfiction over the course of the project. Um, But it was kind of how I had to work on that one particular piece. It was kind of the only way that I could imagine doing it.
1: Well, Um, well, you know, and and we live in a, in an age of memoir. Uh, I mean, there's so many memoirs out there and everybody has a memoir inside of them. And as some of white guy once said, well, nobody's life makes any sense. So just tell a good story. And that's, Okay, I I think that's true, but uh, but when you think about when you want to tell the story of your life, you're telling the story of your life. You're selecting the the motifs, the themes, the ideas that that drive you, and 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 the better the memoir, the truer that is to the experience, to the lived experience. And at the same time, but at the same time, that's what's going on when you're writing fiction too. You are yeah. shaping a narrative. You have this material. Uh, we you know, we we live we have lived experience. We can't. We're not writing. I don't. I don't think I write autobiographically. But if I step back, I say, well, my what are my novels about? They're about uh, the Catholic Church. I would, used to be. I uh, used to live in a monastery for a while. Hmm. Um, they're they're about the mob. Well, there's a lot of connections there. Uh, are these books autobiographical i don't think i wrote them autobiographically but they certainly reflect something of my experience
0: um yeah
1: and the memoir i mean it's um it's a challenge uh, um a memoir right i'll be curious to see how you evolve on this i i certainly never expected to write a memoir in my life and my writer friends think i'm out of my mind to write a memoir why would you tell people all this stuff what are you crazy Oh, you owe somebody money? What are you doing writing this kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, I mean, when I began my first published my first book in, in my 20s, and that was a book, poetry. I never thought I'd write fiction. I didn't, uh, never, never, never crossed my mind. I thought I'd always be writing poetry. But something changes yeah. over time, and I guess, uh, I don't know if you've dabbled in poetry or not. I know you've reviewed poetry, and you, you guys, and...
0: Yeah. Not, I haven't really, not a ton. Um, <clears throat> it's something that, you know, I think... To the extent that I'm sort of trying to get better at you know a form that I'm not particularly I don't feel like I'm particularly strong in right now, it's been a little bit more of sort of the more personal nonfiction uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. It's like I read a lot of criticism. I don't do a lot of it. You know, I'm trying to do more essays just because I'm trying to kind of find find a way to write yeah like a first person voice that feels that feels interesting to me. I mean, when I'm writing criticism, it's one thing because I can kind of do this fairly neutral, but you know, there've been a few things that I've written that are more, yeah, memoir or essay based and, uh, and that, I, that I've been, that I've been feeling happy with in the last couple of years. So I think, I think I would at some point like to, you know, try a foray into poetry just to try it and kind of have that in my vocabulary as well. But I don't think I'm quite there yet.
1: Yeah. <sighs> well, it's. Uh, it seems to me that we're uh, that you and I have. Uh, we're both sort of searching for modes or searching for means to examine types of experience that that both uh, we've had and experiences that we want to have, so that the the writing experience becomes you know, becomes transformative into a reading experience for somebody in a way that's understandable, that's relatable. Yeah. And that is also m- mysterious enough. I mean, I think if, yeah. I mean, I read, I mean, I'm, in, I'm involved in, um uh, I'm judging this literary prize right now. So I'm reading a ton of novels and I think, and there's so much going on, um, so much variety in the world. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of good books out there. There are a lot of lousy books, and a lot of lousy books that people seem to love. And I look at it and I say, "Wow, what are they reading? What am I missing here?" So I'm always yeah. sort of like uh, an, an astronaut. I don't know what what is going on on this planet that that matters to somebody. So, or anthropologically, I'm trying to understand these different these different worlds. So, if, I yeah. guess if we keep Toby, if you and I keep uh, being open to questions. Um or what did E comics yeah. say? Always a more beautiful answer to a more beautiful question. So hmm. if we keep pressing, maybe we'll come up with different uh I mean I don't I mean I've uh, I mean there's always new projects, always got stuff going on and I'm continually restless as a yeah. writer. Never never satisfied. Um Senior. people say, you know, have you and I had a former student of mine who said, Well I just read your this novel and she tried to get me, well, you should read this again. I said, I would never, I can't even imagine reading a novel that I wrote 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. Like what would that be like? That was, you know, that's not up for me anymore. That's for somebody else to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I had this before, shortly before real came out, I had a collection come out and I mean, I'm I'm very happy with every, with all the work that's in there, but it's kind of, it, it spans about 10 years worth of work. So it's interesting. I mean, there are certain stories in there that when I'm reading from that, you know, I'm definitely reading from, but it's almost always the more recent stuff just because that feels, I feel more comfortable reading that right now, even though like there are stories I'm incredibly happy with and I'm incredibly satisfied with. And I feel like they were incredibly important to me getting where I am, but like, it's not necessarily a reflection of where I am right now. And and that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, Hey, hey, just to change the subject here a little bit. So, yeah, when I when I when I come across the name Timon, who's one right. of your two main main characters, you know, my first reaction here, I am an old English major, thinking, wait a second, Timon of Athens. I've never seen this the name Timon anywhere. And I think, now is he going to play with this? Is this going to be a, a rewrite of uh, or a re- reimagination of uh, Timon of Athens? And I'm Well, that's an interesting play. Not a great play, but an yeah. interesting play by Shakespeare. Uh, I don't know if it's crossing your mind, but he's you know Timeman is the party boy, and he has a lot of friends, and he's rich, and then he loses all his money, and then he has no friends, and then he gets rich again, and then he has new friends. Say, okay, well is this an allegory here or something going on? But I didn't see that going on in real. Yeah, it-
0: no. I, honestly, I just I liked the sound of the name, and I liked I liked I think in in yeah in in some cases. There, yeah. Sometimes with with names, I just like the sound of them, and in that case, I really just like the I liked the sound of that. I, for whatever reason, I thought that it and the name Marianne played off of each other pretty well, and and I just kind of went with that. And I liked the well, fact a, that it was a fairly older name that kind of also helped the the feel of the story.
1: Yeah, there's a musicality to it, as is, uh, and that's the case with your prose too, which for long stretches, reads like a, a prose poem. And yeah. I mean, there there Thank are you. different kind of connections here um, uh, imagistically and syntactically that, yeah. you know, is kind of fresh, like, okay, well, this is somebody who's not writing like anybody else. There's some somebody, like somebody invented a language here to talk about oh, Thank this you. G- generation or this zeitgeist or whatever, excuse the term, um, what's going on.
0: Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. it. I mean, the, it, it really just,
1: yeah.
0: I, I mean, a lot of this novel was kind of a reaction to a, a failed novel that I had worked on before it, where everything in terms of coming up with that a little bit too rigid. So with this one, it was a little bit more, I don't want to say free associative, but I was kind of not really working from an outline. I kind of was just letting the story go where it went. And then, Kind of seeing, you know, after I had a a draft finished, kind of seeing where that took me and and what I wanted to change and and things there. So
1: well, and again, I don't want to give away any of the plot, but there's a what's fascinating is you have your two main characters are you know are crashing into each other, but never connecting until kind of they are connecting, in some very. Convoluted kind of way that is completely true to life. It's what yeah. happens. This is how people connect but there's a So I thought that that would be a, a fascinating That must have been a, a fascinating plot challenge for you as a, as an author to Imagine how to get these two in this and you get them in, in alternating paragraphs and alternating chapters and, and the emphases yeah. are, are equal but What's fascinating to me is that there's um, the connection is often is pretty much about disconnection until it flips again. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the truth about fiction generally. Or Brooklyn. Okay. Maybe it's the truth about Brooklyn. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think a lot of it was just I was during the times I was writing it, I was thinking of just I was thinking a lot about how sort of people sometimes fail to connect. And that that ended up kind of being the, the thing that kind of Pushed me forward with it was just sort of, yeah, kind of wanting to wanting to play with that and wanting to see, yeah, kind of how far I could take that and whether I could make that kind of whether I could sustain that sense over a, you know, kind of over a a prolonged stretch of narrative. And and the
1: the music, not the music industry, I was going to say, but the music or business. I mean, what what are and music, you know. Yeah. That's that's crucial for you, and it, and that becomes so. Say more how that became sort of a driver for you in in the in the I'm, book.
0: I mean, it was you know I liked the idea of I liked the idea in terms of in terms of time and character of kind of playing with the notion of I mean I I am someone for whom like getting into punk rock and getting into sort of weirder music was something that was very important for me and kind of let me, you know, a lot of the people who I've been friends with for 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years are people who I met because we had that in common. So I kind of wanted to play with the idea of this at one at once being a really, you know, something that he's drawn to and something that he finds this kind of, uh, you know, he, he finds, yeah, he just, he's drawn to this, but he also kind of, behaves terribly frequently when he's watching live music. And so I kind of wanted to, you know, kind of give him that same, like he does find some sort of solace in this, but he also takes it and runs with it in the, in kind of the wrong way. And uh, mm-hmm. so I wanted to play with that sort of duality of like, yeah. So, so yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And it also, I mean, for, in some cases, let me make references to weird bands I, you know, first encountered 15 years ago and, you know, kind of could work them into the narrative as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hard. So, um, it, it's interesting that, you know, nobody has sex in your novel. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I Marianne know, almost, oh, she almost has sex with the guys right. she's traveling with. Almost. Right. Which yeah. is, so what is, is the turn on for every, First of all, is being turned on important to these characters? Is there there is what what does turn them on? What does drive them? I mean, what kind of intimacy is a value for them? Hmm. Man. I, I mean, think something's driving them. There's a desire for some kind of yeah. intimacy. So it's kind of yeah. mysterious to me. I'm not. What I'm saying is, yeah, I'm compelled by understanding what these characters uh, uh, what drives them. Yeah
0: i mean i think I think Simon still hasn't quite figured that out. I think Marianne knows what drives her um and i you know I think you know I think for her I don't know I mean, I think it's also i don't you know go out that much, so I think sometimes my characters also don't the the thing that I'm working on now. There are more characters who are in relationships in it, but I think, you know, again, with this book, it was, you know, I think having these characters not quite connect, you know, not quite connecting with people, what was important. And I think, you know, if one of them had been, you know, either having sex regularly or being in a relationship, you know, in in kind of a, you know, solid relationship, that would have felt a little bit off. I don't know.
1: Mm hmm. So yeah, I, I would he yeah. would have felt imposed, I think at some point if he picked up yeah. somebody in one of these bars, I mean more likely he's going to get popped in the nose, which is what
0: yeah <laughs> i mean i that, i think I think just yeah, i mean, I think that's the other thing, like time and especially at this at the point at which is described in the novel, like he is also someone who I think you know is is enough is is sort of stumbling around enough that like for him, this is not something that like. Yeah. Like I, I also cannot imagine most people looking at him and being like, yeah, that guy, I totally want, I'm totally into that guy. I think in the case of Marianne, it's more that like, she's not necessarily looking for anything right now. Um, you know, and you know, but I think she's also a much more, she's also a much more functional character. So I think for her, it's more of just, you know, she's not necessarily around a ton of people who she is drawn to at, at, at the yeah. point described in this novel. But I think, you know, if she wanted to, she could, I think kind of easily be in a, she could easily be in a relationship and is, you know, functional and, you know, a, a person who can go out and be sociable and, and everything else.
1: Right. So, I mean, what are the, I mean, the traditional, you don't have to be psychoanalytically a little analytically inclined to think, well, what drives people, you know, sex and and power or money or whatever. So you you think yeah. about what Marianne and Timon are doing. I mean, there's a there's a class there's a conversation about class going on there and, and yeah. in between the lines of the novel and work and profession. And I'm wondering if you had, on what how conscious you were of that whole dynamic uh, in um, the story.
0: There was a there was I think. I was somewhat conscious of it. The the thing that I'm working on now, I think I'm it's a little bit more overt. With this one with this one I kind of it was I think it was somewhat present as I was writing it, but I didn't necessarily want to but it wasn't something where I wanted to go too far, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not bright lights big city. It's not about Yeah climbing, it's not about, you know, Armani suits. It's not about the corner office. It's not about yeah. conspicuous consumption. Now, Timon is of means, but it's like yeah. really, it's like it's sort of like it's in a fog for him.
0: <laughs> that yeah,
1: exa- yeah, exactly. And and she is struggling yeah. to to find a, a professional, a career for, for herself. Uh, yeah, and, and they you know, so you wonder how these two what 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 joins them? What connects those two when it comes to uh you know what they say is you know sex and money are only important in a relationship when you don't have them and yeah, so they don't and do have it um, i mean his his uh, his and, and the whole question of family uh matters yeah. a lot of the time and, and his grandfather, yeah. and pretty complicated. Um, family nexus that he's in, uh, immersed in. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it, it was definitely. I wanted to. I mean, weirdly, some of this also kind of came from this this failed novel beforehand, where I had written about a character and I did not sort of allude to anything about really about his family. So I think when I was writing real, a lot of that was was this sort of response to it, and then a lot of it was like well, this this did not work, so I'm going to do a lot of things the opposite for this next thing. And one of them was, so I was like, all right, I've written a character in this previous thing who I said nothing about the family, so in this one, at least one of these characters is going to have, yeah, uh, is going to have some sort of fairly complicated familial dynamic going on. And I think kind of having this, having this sort of very bizarre family business be... At the heart of that, I think some of the questions of, of means and class sort of stemmed from that. That, like, mm-hmm. because it's sort of in this, yeah, in this kind of profession that I had, you know, envisioned for them to have, it wouldn't have really worked if it hadn't been that. But,
1: yeah. Well, then, um, then I mean, we're when you think about your title, which is a wonderful title, it operates on multiple levels. Pun. Yeah it's real it's in both senses and then, well in the, at least three or four or five senses it's a kind of a dance yeah. which is a you know a playful if not ironic comment on uh, the mosh pit and yeah. it, there's a um, you know there's a cinematic quality to it there's a um, there's an argument against or about our, our conception of or perception of reality so I mean, real operates on all sorts of levels in a fascinating way.
0: Yeah. That was. A,
1: did was you a land fun, on the title right person. away? Was that a, was that an immediate thing for you? When you where did you come to that title later?
0: I came to it a little bit later. There there have been a number of sort of false starts with with writing this book, and initially I wasn't sure whether it was just going to be whether it was going to be a short story or whether it was going to be something longer. And then at some point, I. Kind of decided to start writing in, and sort of with the in, with the intent that it might be something that was book length. Uh, and as I did that, I I think real initially became the title. Yeah, I, well, I think initially I kind of liked the the image of him kind of drunkenly walking, which was which is one sense of real. Ah, right. And then good. Um, and then kind of also, I mean, the other thing as I was working on it. I was reminded of, of the notion of real as a dance. And I kind of liked the, the notion of this sort of un this sort of dance between two participants that neither one is necessarily aware that they are engaged in for the duration. Yeah. Of that. And and, it, and I kind of, when I heard that I was like, yes, I have, I have made a, a wise decision in terms of, uh, in terms of this, this title.
1: So, so for, for, for my new book here, um, uh, let me explain the title there. The, um, uh my father's, uh, street name, uh, in his, uh, uh, in his world in Brooklyn, uh, dealing with, uh, uh, he was a bookmaker and, uh, um, confidential informant and, um, you know, s- small time hustler. He, his street name was Pope,
0: hmm.
1: uh, sometimes called Popey. And he, so that's where the title comes from the Pope of Brooklyn. Yes. Now that has, it resonates on all sorts of levels for me because. As I said a second ago, I did live in a Catholic monastery for a while, and uh, I have a, a very complicated relationship with uh, my ca- Catholic upbringing, and uh, and I and these are themes that uh, you know seem to me to 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 be revelatory of something important going on in his life and in my life, and in my brother's life, who who yeah. who was uh, um a uh, drug addict died, and uh, after many years in prison, died of an mm-hmm. overdose. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm writing this story about my family. Everyone is deceased, and I'm the last one standing. And so I feel this sacred obligation to tell you know, what I know of their story and of mine, yeah. and see what what connects them. So yeah. that, uh, yeah. that's where we are. Yeah. Anyway, Toby, uh, I don't know if there's anything else on your mind.
0: Um, no, I think, think we have kind of covered a fair amount between our two books. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: We've yeah. Got, uh, we, I think we cover the known world, actually.
0: <laughs> I and, would agree. Uh, I would agree. Okay.
1: Anyway, great, great meeting you, Toby. Uh, best of luck That's with really your great book. You. It's doing, doing great. I, I see. And
0: uh, yeah,
1: I we'll we'll see you uh, in Brooklyn sometime, man. Yeah.